1: Love Talk Radio.
0: Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson. You're going run this box of business. Look it up. And today, my friend, we are plunging the fork into a subject very near and dear to your salivating palate. That is food, specifically the retail food market. What are we buying? How are they selling it? Which purveyors do dominate? And which ones with new portion shelves, menus, technologies will dominate in the future? And returning to our uh, broadcasting megaphones, uh, kindly to share his expertise as the globe's most knowledgeable food resource, Mr. Brian Todd, president of the Food Institute, the very place where every food professional from farm to fork turns uh, his waiting ear. And so if, if you wish to... Well, really, if you wish to witness the intricate dance between food retail purveyors and food consumers regarding all that stuff we gobble down, pull up your chair a little closer and join us for this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Brian, it is good to have your jovial wit back on our show to banter about the latest happening in the food in- industry.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. I managed to uh, to break away from my desk for a few minutes.
0: That's good. We are, um, well, Brian, we're going to tear out the front page, as they say, and we're going to take a headline from your fascinating daily newsletter, Food Today. It's an amazing thing. Uh, And is it really true that the supermarket checkout lines with all those amazingly assorted and opinionated cashiers are going to be gone in 10 years, or is this just some sort of technology fantasy? Mm
1: Uh, well, actually, the, the information comes from a study by a real estate firm um, that kind of predicted the, the end of supermarket checkouts. I, I don't think it's going to come about quite that quickly, but certainly anybody who's been in a uh, a traditional supermarket has seen more of the, um, the automated checkouts and then, of course, uh, the advent of – mobile checkouts, uh, the Amazon Go stores where there's actually no people there. You go in with your cell phone, take what you need, and it automatically records on your phone and send you a bill or takes it off your charge card at the end. So um, I think we're we're headed in that direction, but I don't think it's going to be quite as quick as some people might be predicting.
0: Yeah, you know, I think so. The, the real estate market, we're also the ones that are saying that our, our whole uh, living setup is going to change due to driverless cars. And uh, but the artificial intelligence people are saying we'll have a, we'll have flying cars before we have driverless cars, so who knows? Real real estate is fast to jump, I think. <laughs> but but uh, it's a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating thing. We uh, it we, it will change definitely whatever it is. Well, uh, Brian, uh, uh, more to the present, uh, the traditional number for Americans has been ten percent, I believe. Right? We we spend about ten percent of our household income on food, but I, I've As we've mentioned, we've talked about before, we have become a food assassination. We have TV shows, networks, dueling chefs, and and all kinds of uh, silliness. So are we now, is is this reflective? Are we spending more of uh, our income on food?
1: Uh, no, actually, um, it, it has held fairly steady, and, and the number is really uh, 12.8% of uh, of our expenditures oh, go okay. to food, and that's, um, that's food at home and food away from home. What is interesting um, is that uh, about 7% of that is roughly is um, for food at home, you know, people going to supermarkets, and that oh, has, yeah. you know, bounced around a bit. The, the rest, the other 6% or so is um, food away from home. We certainly see some increases there. Um, And it's interesting that uh, it is a relatively small percentage of our overall income that we spend on food compared to, you know, third world countries where you're talking 50 to 60 percent of their income is spent on food. And um, for a a long time, the U.S. has been uh, kind of the leader of uh, the smallest amount of expendable income on food. But um, certainly something that is, you know, income has gone up, but the share has remained the same. So uh, certainly people are Oh. Spending more on food, and there's more ways to do so than ever before,
0: oh yeah, so you 're right, so as the income goes up that 's the percentage, so actually, we are spending more on food, and there's inflation, of course but it's uh by the way the the food inflation is roughly akin to the rest of inflation what is is that right or not
1: um actually recently that's that hasn 't been the case food food inflation has been oh. under uh the overall inflation rate, and even in 2017 and 2018 we actually had declining food prices um which uh well you know consumers do benefit some from somewhat from that um you know supermarket chains and restaurants are not too pleased if they can't lift their prices a little bit from year to year so uh, we're starting to come out of that now though Uh, i think we'll we'll be seeing more more food inflation coming and um for certain items in particular, maybe oh, not everything in our supermarket, but um, things like, uh, particularly if you're you're a bacon fan, um, we just uh, reported Uh-oh. on that yesterday. You know, we're we're going to look at bacon prices sizzling uh, later this year as, as prices go. Oh, up. My. Oh
0: my! Yeah. Well, geez, all that all that, all the foods I don't need are going to go up in price. I I it, and you know, it going change my buying habit one bit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's look at, at store size. For, for a thought, uh, what are, uh, you know for a, for a while for in the past we've had supermarkets sort of sprawling to be ever more huge and ever more product encompassing you know the one stop shop uh, goal, but so here we've got things like these, these huge things like Trader Joe's, but right beside him is Joe's brother Carl opening a very successful Aldi's grocery stores which are just groceries. Uh, so where are supermarkets trending currently?
1: I, yeah, it really does vary but but it's interesting you mentioned you know Trader Joe's uh, on one end and Aldi's on the other and um as I think you alluded to there <laughs> it it is the same um you know same type of market and uh and owner um so size has has definitely come down particularly in urban areas um where chains like Aldi and and another one um, Lidl coming from from Germany uh, looking to kind of crack that market by buying these smaller smaller boxes and um, giving people you know a, a limited variety of items uh, hopefully at a lower price and uh, I think that 's kind of borne out by a lot of the uh the shopping surveys that we 've seen out there that they are cracking that market um, but there's still larger supermarkets, particularly in suburbia that that are there just yesterday near myself here in New Jersey. Uh, Shoprite opened a new 70,000 square foot supermarket, which I went to, and um, was absolutely, you know, oh massive. Um, and uh, you know, <laughs> then you you could probably fit, you know, seven or eight Trader Joes within that footprint. So um, I think there's, depending <laughs> on the on the market, uh, what consumers like, but they are are all following a similar format. If you go into the supermarkets, more prepared foods. Um, convenient yeah. things, right. um, even more smaller packaging in many ways to uh, to appeal to the wide variety of consumers who are are all looking for convenience and, and to save money as well.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I, I, uh, the, a lot of uh, families are smaller, although uh, the average American household is, is bounced around between, I think, 2.5 and 2.7 no real changes for the last mm-hmm. even 40 years I say but but still I hear a lot more people saying that it's it's tough to uh, buy food for one it's tough to buy food even for two and is this uh and, and so are we seeing smaller packaging
1: in many ways, we are, um, particularly on the prepared side. I think uh, a lot of the supermarkets oh. are realizing that uh, there are aging baby boomers out there and, and millennials who are starting their families much later. So uh, you know, it's a one or a, or maybe a two-person yeah. household. People are living together more. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they're they are trying to appeal to that uh, that group. And of course, uh, for them, in some cases, it can be more profitable. Um, you know, to a smaller size, people are Comparing it maybe instead of comparing it to uh, buying their own foods and preparing them at home is buying something prepared so that price point they they put in uh, in perspective with more of what they might be paying at a restaurant so um, it's a different different way of looking you know, at things but uh, certainly something to to watch
0: i I've got to think that that this that the prepare the, the prefix meal uh now available so, some and prefixed foods uh, now Available are uh, are they cutting into restaurant and and uh, dining out uh, market share or, or not
1: really? Um, actually, there's there's a lot of overlap, and we've run many articles talking about the blurring of the lines um, between both hmm. uh, you know restaurants kind of attacking, particularly with with the advent of uh, home delivery services like Grubhub, where um, restaurants are kind of. Um, you know, they are competing directly then with supermarkets because people are, you know, looking, well, I'll just order it and have it delivered, so I'm not going to stop at my supermarket um, on the way home. And then on the other hand, you have the supermarkets with more of the prepared foods, and some of them very upscale, uh, you know, where you're going in and, you know, it, it might be, you know, you know $20 for a prepared meal. I know um, Wegman's, a supermarket by me, has uh, you know nice salmon dishes, but um, you know for one person you're talking 16, 17 dollars in some cases. So uh, it it is a direct competition. So I think we'll see that, and then throw in the home delivery services like uh, like Blue Apron, where it's more prepared, and that's also cutting into the uh, the supermarket and the restaurant business. So um, everybody's fighting oh, the battle oh, for oh. share of stomach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, unfortunately, uh, that girth seems to be expanding to take on all comers. But uh, Oh, gosh. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Art of the CEO radio show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time floats merrily over the ever-expanding galaxies of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our shows by visiting... The Art of the CEO.com. That's the Art of the CEO.com. As an added avenue, you may also enjoy our shows on C Suite Radio Station. We are now proud members of C Suite Radio, where the sound waves and sound solutions of business come to you straight from the top. So just visit all our Art of the CEO episodes on C suiteradiocom And now, Brian. Um, uh, I, I'm also worried, uh, wondering about uh, service. Uh, recently, uh, Walmart, which I believe is the nation's largest food purveyor, uh, is, was given in one survey, in a couple of surveys, the lowest possible grade on customer service, uh, but the highest ratings on price discounts, and uh, people are still there. So, uh, I mean, does price conquer all in the food consumer's mind, or I mean, more, more than nutrition or any other part of the label.
1: I, I think price is still king um, for for most people, um, as far as mm-hmm. when they're going shopping. Thus, the the Walmart impact, um, you know, that they they do have that huge buying power um, again, and their their large stores are typically draw from people from you know, <laughs> tens, if not in some cases, hundreds of miles around, depending on the location. But uh, I think yeah, price I still trumps many things um and i think uh, there's still if, if you go into your your supermarket they still have what we call the loss leaders you know the, the items to draw you in years ago it used to be a you know one pound right. can uh-huh. of coffee for a dollar 99 now coffee has become you know people are spending a dollar 99 for a handful of k cups um so it's it's a different right. market but uh, <laughs> still still doing yeah. doing things of that nature and and produce prices are always something that uh fresh produce, which Walmart has done a very good job on improving the quality even of their uh, their items over the years. Um, I was recently in one and was quite surprised that they're offering some somewhat limited in some cases, maybe not as big, but uh, again, people are there you know, trying to keep their costs down and uh, looking at uh, maybe you know buying a a steak which may be going up in price or a pound of bacon, uh, so they're looking to cut costs on the end or other end of the spectrum. So, uh, price is still very key. Yeah, know uh, no, I... ser- Service and cleanliness is still <laughs> a major factor in where people shop for supermarkets as well.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I, well, I, I. Also, you were talking about uh, bringing up the quality of groceries. Uh, everyone is telling us that uh, American food buyers are uh, much more health and nutrition conscious than they've ever been, and that they we could witness the the changes in labels that make calorie and nutrition facts more evident. And and with all of that, uh, I'm I'm just wondering. There's the old saying in in some industries that all buyers are liars, so they may see. Are we just seeming more concerned about health and nutrition consciousness, or are, are, are is that translating into buying dollars?
1: I mean, I think it's interesting. I think it's you know, kind of what people say and what they do. Um, in many cases, still, <laughs> still are not the same thing um but we are you know, right. we've reported and seen that uh, people are you know reading labels and using that information more i think particularly the uh, you know the younger generation the millennials and and a little bit of your gen z and gen x who are used to uh, you know looking on their cell phone and not worrying about you know being in the supermarket and doing digging a little more deeper perhaps on the the nutritional value and um and then certain keywords that they might be looking for particularly now people you know looking for non gmo genetically modified foods or something you know with an organic label is still extremely popular albeit almost always at a higher price um so i think it's yeah, uh, yeah. it, they are much more much more concerned i think they are much more educated about uh, healthy foods as well um but that doesn't always translate into buying power it's some you know dollars necessarily because people will you know if it's too expensive they'll still you know, move down the ladder a bit, a few rungs to uh, to something they can afford. Um, but I think they do like to see it in the supermarket and uh, and other food stores, even if they might not be the ones buying it.
0: I'm, you just brought up a point. I'm curious. Organic foods, we all know, cost more. Uh, you go bananas. Uh, you know, they're uh, 39 cents for non-organic and 59 cents for organic, or whatever. And uh does it really cost more? You know, from, since you know the whole chain, does organic really cost more to grow and out uh, to, yeah, de- to the store?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, definitely from a production standpoint almost, for almost all items um, organic, I think that has shifted. I think the, uh, the cost has come down um, because of the, uh, the different ways they've come up with farming, um, you know, more um, crop Uh, processes that they can utilize in in different uh, fertilizers that are considered organic and so forth um, than there were earlier on. I think the the gap has definitely narrowed, but um, certainly still costs more, particularly for certain products where maybe there are a limited amount of ingredients. Um, if it's a certain spice in a product that uh, perhaps there just is not anything organically available or the supply is so short that the price becomes so high that it's almost prohibitive. Um, so we've definitely seen yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, happen over the years. So it's um, yeah something I, I think we'll continue to see those prices come down to a point Um I, I, I still, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people and read a lot of reports. You know, we're still not in any position where we can make everything organic. There just is not enough uh, enough land that is uh, considered organically farmable right now to do that.
0: Right. So we're, we're yeah, uh, there, well, we, we did talk a little bit with Mark Oshima in a previous show about uh, other ways to compact Food, but again, at, at this point in the way we're doing it, we, it's a question of feeding the planet versus feeding a city or a town. Yeah. exactly.
1: Um, so
0: where is my where where's my best bet for getting uh, nutritious foods? Best bet for the buck of getting nutritious foods: the, the farmers' market, uh, specialty stores, or the, the healthy food section
1: in the big supermarket. Where? Um, you know, it, it really does vary and it depends on, on w- what you have access to um i think the mm. the, the traditional supermarkets have done um particularly in, in the recent past you know a great job of kind of stepping up to the plate and um and offering their customers more and more be it gluten free uh you know, the organic products as we've discussed uh more healthy items um that appeal to that uh, that group even um as far as uh, you know different diet diet based products and things of that nature so yeah, uh, wow. still is uh, still a great place i think um you know farmers markets have expanded greatly you know there's no no major city that doesn't have a slew of different farmer markets in even most most suburban towns and I'm sure in rural communities uh you know the downtowns have that as well um still a relatively small yeah. portion of the overall you know market that's out there but um but even there uh you know you do have to watch and see you know just because it's at a farmer's market doesn't mean it's organic or that they're not you know using yeah. ingredients yeah, so you end up a- having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's better. I I'm
0: in, I'm in Upper New York State, or I'm in Nebraska, and, and quote farm fresh bananas are, are put before me, and I, I really would bet they're not grown in my state.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. New York uh, State doesn't have many fresh bananas, any homegrown bananas there. <laughs> but right. but that's exactly right, and uh, you know, and even you know, labeling of products. Sometimes you know, gluten free has been a. I'm um, you know, kind of a a buzzword for a few years. It's kind of slowed down, but um you know, I, I kind of laughed at it when gluten-free products, you know, they were putting, oh, this product is gluten-free. Well, it never had gluten in it, you know, something like, you know, yeah, right. there right. was no reason <laughs> to label it that <laughs> way. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> gluten-free
0: coffee. Right.
1: Anyway. Exactly. Oh my
0: God, this is this is great. Well, just around the brand, Ben, my friend. Brian Todd, Food Institute president, is going to take us further down the food aisle, and he's going to explain the fate of meat versus meatless trends. And, well, right after, you and I take a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as we offer you a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, um, may I remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you ferret out your hidden fears and send those unrealistic ones packing? Or will you continue to anguish over phantasms of risk assessment to the point of absolute paralysis? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. As a second utensil. I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 best business quips book, uh, which I am pulling out as we speak. Here it is. Uh, oh, okay, this is it. This is number 91. I love this. Um, America's CEOs are begging the government for corporate tax relief and reform, for for themselves, of course, not for their competitors. <laughs> What do you think Brian is the food industry getting all the uh, subsidies it requires and perhaps then some?
1: Um well I think they've <laughs> it it has been interesting if you look back on why subsidies for farmers uh came about back in the you know the crop failures of the 30s and 20s and early 40s um you know there was a need for them um but we're still supplying the world with so much food and always looking for a consistent supply so i think they're uh, you know I, I think they're getting what they deserve and uh, and in some cases depending on what may happen they may deserve more perhaps if you know a crop disaster um we want to keep keep the farmers happy in my mind so uh you know with, without them uh, i don't know where we'd be <laughs> yeah
0: well you have to keep the land open and arable a good year through through bad years as well as good which just makes common sense i guess yeah uh, well, as, as an afterthought to that, Quib, I always say you will all be pleased to hear that under the latest tax laws, your government states that your property taxes are no longer deductible, but – Your corporate jet and country club memberships are still safe havens. Duck, 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 duck. So (laughs) if you smirked a bit over that quip, uh, we have them literally by the books. Just visit BartsBooks.com and pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips, and the slashes of which you share will have your coworkers petting after your every utterance, (laughs) or or so we'd have you believe. Uh, And, As a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation, that is the name of the individual who said, there are two kinds of companies, those who work to change more and those who work to change less, we will be the first kind of company. Those wo- words were spoken by none other than the world's richest person and CEO of Amazon, Mr. Jeff Bezos, weighing in, who personally weighs in at around $148 billion. Congratulations to all you winners, and congratulations to Jeff. And stick with us, because later on the show, blurting your way, comes another enriching quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble That sage's name down as you believe him or to be, and email it right off to info at That's I-N-F-O at Bart'sBooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a soul-stirring gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore and Brian Todd is going to continue feeding your food info hunger with some facts about men versus women buyers just right after you allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to take scrutiny of their latest volume. It's a gem of a guide called CEO of Yourself. And Well, let me ask you, my friend, would you, wouldn't you like a guide that personally gives you the ability to grow like Google and bounce back from failures like Microsoft? And by the way, who's making your life choices? Are you directing the enterprise of you, um, or have you fallen into default mode? Well, CEO of yourself helps you discover many marvelous assets and employ them towards goals that are going to bring you a sense of mastery and a lot more fun. Now, a little caveat here, CEO of yourself is not for the lazy, and it's not for weaklings. It makes you stand up, and using the model of chief executing officer, it makes you form such things as principles and form your own character to sculpt yourself into the effective person you want to be. But if you've got that kind of fire in your belly and desire for an exhilarating life, then go for it, my friend. Pick up your copy of CEO of yourself. Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with utensils in hand, uh, join me as the Food Institute's president, Mr. Brian Todd, enlightens us as to what foods we're going to be buying in the future. Brian, with great noise and initial sales, Burger King and then Beyond Meat have come out with plant-based burgers, the veggie burgers in a lot of diners now and uh, small stores, small restaurants. And now Nestle, the world's largest food company, has bought up Sweet Earth and is prophesying its own Plant-based burger coming soon to your palate, or something. Anyway, it, does this indicate a true trend in American eating, or is it sort of a boutique thing, uh, hunting after a slender market share?
1: I think it's um, it, it really is becoming a trend at this point. Um, you know, for a couple years ago, it was more of a boutique item, but uh, as people started seeing the popularity of it, um, and indeed as the the quality of those products has improved, um, if Impossible Foods is now, as, as you mentioned, in Burger King, but expanding into more and more restaurants. So much so that um, I was just at a com- recently at a conference where they spoke, and they're looking to expand production. Um, indeed, when you get a customer like Burger King, um, you need to expand production. So, uh, and from what we've yeah, yeah. read and seen, um, you know, sales at Burger King have. Uh, you know, been booming as a result of that, um, you know, and I think one of the kind of getting to your question is, um, you know, not only it is a higher priced items, but they're saying that it's bringing in people who were not at Burger King before. And perhaps it's, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a meat eater, but I have several vegetarian friends, but maybe now it's like, well, let's go to Burger King because I can get my Whopper and you can get your Whopper and we're all happy. So uh, I think there's, uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, much more, appeal out there and um as i said the quality and more and more players will be coming i mean possible foods beyond meats um we've even there's a, a new company out there as well called blue nailu which is now making a cell cell based uh, seafood that is um uh, completely will be uh, I mean, available oh. <laughs> you know down the road but but will taste like uh you know, whether it's a scallop or a uh you know a a sea bass along those lines so it will be interesting to see we're going to see more of these um plant-based proteins uh you know coming online um interestingly you've probably seen the stories recently about you know, the nutritional value of those is very similar to that of uh, <laughs> of the real thing be it beef or pork or so forth so um you know consumers oh, really? will have a choice but it's yeah it, yes it's uh, very much so even even as far as the calories there there is not much of a difference when you start oh. looking at it um, of course, lower saturated fats is probably the big thing for meats and things of that nature. But um, but still, so, yeah. um, it's something interesting. And people will, you know, certainly right now it's still at a higher price point. So, again, getting back to, you know, when it comes down to your budget, is this something you're going to try because you, you want to see what an impossible burger tastes like, or will you go back again <laughs> and, and order it as you might a regular hamburger? <laughs>
0: Well, well meat is, I believe, isn't it, one of the the, the largest uh, food cost items in the American shopping cart. Uh, are we still buying at the same rate we did a decade ago or, or not?
1: Yeah, actually, um, we are, and it has changed. We saw you know, beef actually, I guess, surprisingly and not surprisingly, we kind of dipped for a few years. As has kind of uh, back in 2018 or so, 2017, started trending upward again. Um, so uh still a demand out there um out in people you know we're still a nation of beef eaters although poultry has certainly continues to climb um with more and more offerings mm. out there and again kind of health conscious consumers looking more for white meats than red meats uh so uh Mm. We are still a nation of, of uh, beef eaters. There was a, you know, an, another study out saying that, you know, alternative meats would be, you know, overtaking the market in 20 years or so. Again, something that might be a, <laughs> a little premature uh, coming out with a prediction like that. But um, as, as time goes on, yeah. I think with all of the concern about sustainable practices um, um, and uh, the amount of methane that <laughs> farm animals. Uh, produce uh, being a factor in global warming, perhaps uh, you know we will see that shift as uh, as millennials move into the baby boomer age.
0: Well, even Homer, even the poet, the, the ancient Greek poet Homer, talks about uh, the luxury of growing cattle. thessaly rich in cattle meant that there was plenty of land and acreage, and it was lush. Uh, and, it, and it does take it does take more to, to grow red meat, I guess. Um, Brian there, this, this is what it's always bothered. There, there's a, You probably see This, this diet regimen book Eat like a woman And it's making this huge splash in the media And I'm curious Which gender is doing The majority of food buying If, if, there, is, if there is a majority and, uh, and also What are men putting In their shopping carts Versus women uh, what, What's the difference in how they uh, eat and buy
1: And they shop well. Women are still out out buying, or still the the major shopper uh, in most households. But um, but we are seeing, you know, over the years, men have the number of men shopping has. Has increased and um, and I think it it has changed. I mean, it was years ago. It was always well the men are going and just basically throwing whatever they come across into their cart, and the women are more studious <laughs> and you know watching the labels and <laughs> concerned about what's there. Right, um, but I think right. that's definitely shifted. Uh, you know, I think both wow. are now doing their research and their homework and um, you know making sure that they they hit the aisles and specific brands that they may like and uh, or certain you know, products that, uh, that they will go on. But, uh, you know, again, I think both are much better informed and they have better tools than they ever did before. Um, I think too, yeah. and if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, men uh, for food, I think it's, it's pretty evenly split when people start ordering online that, uh, you know, that men and men may even order more food online than women at this point, because, um, um, you know they perhaps they're seeing more of what they like or uh, or like the convenience of having it delivered right to their office or their home um in in many cases so uh it'll be interesting to yeah, see sh- how yeah. that plays Thanks out be- yeah yeah
0: the food shopping the, the the shopping services of all sorts from from drones to the boy on the bike they're going to expand and keep expanding right
1: oh yes definitely yeah home delivery has become uh, you know very big and uh, you know Amazon testing drones uh you know we haven't come to the point yet that, that you know people are you know getting a uh, you know their their porterhouse steak and baked potato that they're going to put on their grill dropped at their doorstep but um <laughs> it will be interesting uh you know as as that develops because I I think that's where People are <laughs> would like to see things headed in some cases. Um, the one thing we're looking at as well here is, um, you know, how does that work for restaurants? Perhaps when a restaurant, uh, you know, runs out of their, uh, you know, two hundred a pound, two hundred dollar a pound truffles, will a drone come and drop it at their doorstep too? So uh, we'll see. We have a lot more way to go on this this new delivery so, so, model. So we're going to
0: have drone robbers, you know, like stagecoach robbers, you know, and, and people. <laughs> Riding a, it wouldn't be great if they if they rob drones by riding on horses. But anyway, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just one more thing. If I am a food grower or a maker, a seller, or a restaurant how can I get in touch with the Food Institute? And could you tell us what are the values and benefits of becoming an institute member?
1: Sure. Um, well, first of all, I'll keep you informed of. All the news that's going out there through Today in Food, and um, you can go to our website www.foodinstitute.com, foodinstitute. com and uh, click around and sign up for a free trial uh, if you'd like. Um, and we also, for those of you who are consumers out there, are just launching a um, a consumer newsletter. Um, and if you are interested, oh. you could subscribe to that for free just by going to um, Food One. Um, dot co. So f o o d the number one dot c o slash foodie f o o d i and you'll come up with a little form you can sign is that, up. Is that and, the title uh,
0: of of the of the, of the of the magazine or is it the title, the, of, those, title the, of the, the uh, magazine?
1: Is Foodie Insider? Thank you. It's uh, Foodie Insider, and uh, okay. that's how foodie you can get Insider. it.
0: Insider.
1: Right. It's sort so of an, so, an well, intestinal
0: well, thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe not. <laughs> to give you the, the insight <laughs> on what's happening. <laughs>
0: Oh, Brian, this has been a lot of fun, and boy, have I learned a lot. Uh, some of it's scary, and uh, so thank you very much for coming on and and uh, enlightening us. And uh, you got to promise us you're going to come back as uh, as we move to the consumer side and tell us more about that, okay?
1: Sure, would certainly love to. Thank you very much, Bart.
0: Okay, thanks a lot. Oh, it's been fun. Uh, And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said, conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth? As a hint uh, to the author, this U.S. president was also the one who said that Washington, D.C. is a city of southern efficiency and northern charm. And he also said, we will put a man on the moon. So and remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply write that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info INFO at Bartsbooks dot com to win an absolutely soul igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in next week to the Art of the CEO as <clears> the <throat> lead solo pilot of the Blue Angels, Mr. John Foley, tells you how to obtain peak performance. And if anyone should know, it certainly is John Foley. So you you don't want to miss this one. It's going to be fun. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, my old school chum Charles is enviably great at achieving all his life's goals. It's a shame he never found any purpose for them. (laughs) And to you, believefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you and with Brian. So remember... You may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.